Welcome back to Built to Win, presented by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Today, we're going to be talking about what is unemployment insurance. There's obviously a lot we could get into this, but we want to give you, our listeners, a brief introduction to the subject. So joining me to discuss this is FGA's own Joe Horvath. He's a senior fellow at FGA who covers policy topics such as unemployment and student debt. Joe, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. Of course. So unemployment insurance is actually one of the most misunderstood government programs, but also one of the most widely known. People are aware of unemployment insurance. That awareness is often where the knowledge stops. And for the politically savvy listeners of Built to Win, we want to know what's really going on here. Now, to dip our toes into this topic a little bit, Joe, what's your quickest, maybe we should call it your one-stop shop definition for what is unemployment insurance? Yeah, Dan, that one's easy. You know, unemployment insurance, it's just like it sounds. The word insurance is in the name. What it is, is insurance against unexpected job loss. And it's a benefit that's provided to workers and paid for by employers. And when they're laid off through no fault of their own, they get a temporary limited benefit to sort of float them some cash and give them a bridge between jobs. Well, I do think that was a pretty nice, uh, succinct definition there. So now that we've covered that top level and essentially broad outline, I think it's time we get into a little bit more of what and how unemployment insurance works. So when an individual loses their job through no fault of their own, like perhaps getting laid off at a restaurant closed by its state government because of COVID, I'm sure a lot of people are understanding of that situation. What happens next for that person? Yeah, it's really simple for an individual who's laid off through no fault of their own. As you said, they go to their state and they apply for benefits. They say, I've been laid off. You know, I didn't quit. I wasn't terminated for cause. And I'm going to be looking for work. I'm actively seeking work. I'm available to work. I'm able to work. And they file a claim with the state. And then the state either approves or rejects. The employer can dispute it. But then the individual will every week following after they first get approved, they'll keep testifying to the state that they've searched for work. They've maintained employer contacts. They're still able to work. And that's what's called a continuing claim. Got it. Got it. Yeah. They have to continue to make that argument that they've been looking for work and, uh, you know, should still be receiving those payments. Joe, you did say that it's managed by the state. Is the system of unemployment insurance the same in every state? And if not, what makes it different? Yeah, absolutely. So unemployment insurance was created by the federal government as a response to the Great Depression in the early part of the 20th century, part of the Social Security Act, actually. And what they did was they created a baseline set of parameters but then they left a lot of the administration to the states. So states were able to tailor to within a certain degree the amount they'd pay out, the amount of weeks they'd pay out, how they would enforce and track measurements. But aside from a few baseline requirements from the federal government, the rest is basically left to the states, which means an opportunity for a lot of states to put in good policy that encourages work, reduces fraud, and make sure that their trust funds remain solvent. Yeah, and it's, it's totally on the shoulders of state legislators and lawmakers and folks in state governments to tackle this issue, right? Because that's where it's happening. Dan, that's exactly right. 
there's been basically no good news that comes out of this whole COVID debacle. But one tiny little bright spot is that, you know, as a result of what we've seen in state unemployment programs across the country, you know, state legislators have kind of, you know, their ears have perked up and they're starting to take notice. Because one of the things you used to hear all the time was, well, unemployment, it's this, you know, it's this program off to the side. It's funded by its own source. It doesn't typically come out of the general revenue fund. The agency manages it. The governor manages it. And we kind of take a hands-off approach. Well, now, you know, because of the way that Congress handled certain things and because of the way state trust funds have been depleted and because of certain economic and uh, and workforce policies implemented as a response to COVID or even coming out of COVID, state legislators are realizing, wait, no, we have a legitimate oversight role that we need to exercise. And they're doing so. And, you know, some of the early results are kind of promising, you know, as legislators are starting to step into the ring on this issue, they're realizing sometimes some of these excuses given by workforce agencies or, you know, the individuals who run them don't quite add up. And so, you know, they're taking their opportunity to say, no, no, this is the way we're going to run things from now on. And it's, you know, to my mind, it's pretty encouraging. Yeah, that is definitely an encouraging aspect. I really appreciate you bringing that up. To get on to the topic of, you know, what it is a little bit more on unemployment insurance, is it meant to be a full replacement paycheck for recipients? So is it supposed to be a full paycheck for someone who loses their job? Absolutely not. It is unemployment insurance. It is not universal basic income. And you can actually go back to the origins of the program. So like I said earlier, this is a program that was created as a response to the Great Depression. So you know we're talking about coming out of the uh, economic downturn caused by COVID, which was you know governors for public health reasons and for public safety reasons shut down a bunch of businesses and, and order businesses closed. So individuals were temporarily laid off or some businesses closed and they were laid off. You know, as we start to climb back out, there's a job to come back to. Well, remember when this program was created, it was the Great Depression. When those businesses closed down, they closed down. There were no jobs to come back to. And even back then, the original administrator of the Social Security Board, and I'll try to keep this story short so that it's not Social Security B-O-R-E-D, what he said in a speech that he would give every now and again, and it's right on the Social Security Administration's, you know, history of unemployment webpage. He put out two important things about unemployment at the time it was created at the depths of the Great Depression. He said, one, this is not a program that is meant to cure all ills caused by unemployment. It's a temporary limited benefit that helps people bridge the gap to the next job. So that's one, it's not total income replacement. And then two, it's not complete disaster relief. It's not a recovery program, right? There are other programs that the federal government or states or even private charities can do to tackle this kind of thing. You know, so he would stress that the original creation of the unemployment program was a sort of temporary limited bridge between jobs and not to build it up into anything more than it was. Unfortunately, that's what we saw this past year. Yeah, that is pretty unfortunate that we were seeing that across the country. One actually important aspect of unemployment insurance that I totally had wrong when you corrected the record on it for me, is who pays for the program? So, Joe, who did I first think paid into the program, which is honestly what most people believe? Maybe I'm trying to defend myself a little bit there, but more importantly, <laughs> what's the reality? You are not alone. It's a question I've asked in rooms full of people before. I go, you know, do you know how much you paid in unemployment taxes this year to individuals, right? And they all kind of give out estimates. And, and at the end, I point out, well, no, it's a trick question. You don't pay unemployment taxes. There are only three states where individuals contribute unemployment taxes, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Alaska. In Pennsylvania, though, I mean, nobody's paying more than $50 a year. For the other 47 states, 
it's not paid for at all by individuals. And in fact, the vast majority, even in those uh, states where individuals pay, it's paid for by employers. So long story short, employers pay unemployment taxes. It's a benefit that they fund to give people a bridge to their next job. And uh, the other unfortunate thing about it is if you're a good employer, if you're well-behaved, for lack of a better term, and you're the kind of employer, the business that doesn't lay people off typically, unemployment taxes are largely a complete waste, right? Because what you're doing is subsidizing other businesses that are laying people off. You know, you could, in a roundabout way, I don't find it particularly persuasive, but in a roundabout way, you could say, well, you know, I pay my income taxes. We get schools, roads, bridges, whatever you want to say. But if you're a business that doesn't typically lay people off, you get nothing for your unemployment taxes. It's just a line item that you got to ship off to the state every year. So that's one of the most common misconceptions is that this is a, an entitlement benefit that an individual worker pays into, and therefore they deserve to get a little back. And that's just not the case at all. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that breakdown. And I think our listeners will appreciate that as well. Speaking of which, why does this matter for a lawmaker or an elected state official? Why does the conversation of unemployment insurance and understanding what it is matter? There are a few reasons. Number one, as we were just talking about economic competitiveness, you know, as we're trying to claw our way back from COVID and as states are starting to compete with each other, some are going to be making good decisions and some are going to be making bad decisions. And that applies across the board, but it's especially true with your unemployment policy, both in your benefit structure and how you police the program. You know, states that make good decisions typically have lower unemployment taxes. And now, as businesses are starting to climb back and deciding where they want to open up again, that's a line item on their expense sheet that they're going to be looking at very closely. So, you know, if you're Amazon and you want to open a 5,000-employee distribution center, well, 5,000 employees, you're paying unemployment taxes on every single one of them, that's going to add up. So that's something that, you know, a competitive state like a Florida is going to have an advantage. Another reason for it is if your trust fund is not properly funded, that's to say, if you don't put a sufficient amount of money to cover the expenses that are going out, you lose access to free advances from the federal government. They're called Title 12 advances, and they're meant to sort of help states out and float them a temporary loan with no interest so that they can get their fund back in order. But of course, that's a deal with the devil too, if you think about it, because as always, the devil's in the details. If you don't pay that loan back on time, your employers lose a very important tax credit. Mm -hmm. Now, when we talk about the way unemployment taxes are structured, every employer pays two, right? There's a federal side and a state side. And you use the majority of your state taxes as a credit against your federal unemployment taxes. So states with good unemployment policies, employers are going to be receiving a full tax credit with the exception of a you know, small percentage that the uh, federal government keeps itself to just administer the program. So that's, that's two, right? One is economic competitiveness generally. Two is that a properly administered system is going to keep you in the right spot according to the federal government because they oversee this whole thing anyway. And then three, it's a workforce issue, right? Individuals who are spending time on unemployment, Dan, what are they not doing? Not working. Individuals who are on unemployment are not working. So unfortunately, when they're drawing down the trust fund, businesses are deprived of potential labor and individuals are disincentivized to work. I've seen this story a few times in my personal life and people I know, they'll get laid off and there will be an individual uh, who 
is a successful person, is a productive person, but they get laid off and they start collecting unemployment and you just see their drive to really look for work kind of just disappears, right? And they wake up and, they, and there's nothing to do all day. They don't have anything to produce, to create. You know, they maintain their minimum level of employer contacts just to sort of satisfy the weekly requirements. It's kind of a trapping comfort. So, you know, bad unemployment policy, it's bad for your businesses. It's bad for your trust fund. But the most important part is that it's bad for people, right? People are happier. People are more productive when they're working. You know, America works when America's working. It's something we say at FGA all the time. And I think states that recognize that and understand that are going to be in a good position to recover from COVID and a good position, frankly, in any economic situation. I completely agree with you, Joe. And I think uh, what you just said there is extremely important for elected officials and lawmakers to take home with them. I mean, simply put, what you were saying, you know, the devil's in the details and understanding unemployment insurance means lawmakers and elected officials can fix it because there's certainly a rampant problem right now going on across the country, which we're going to get into more on future episodes and talk to you about some more specific issues with unemployment insurance. So please be sure to check us out and keep following and listening and sharing with your friends. I've been your host, Dan Reynolds, for FGA Built to Win, and I've been sitting down with Joe Horvath, the senior fellow at FGA, who covers policy topics such as unemployment and student debt. Joe, thanks so much for walking our listeners through this very important but sometimes complex topic. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Built to Win, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the Foundation for Government Accountability, a nonprofit organization helping millions achieve the American dream. To learn more about our work or our experts, visit www.thefga.org and tell us what you think on Twitter at Built to Win Podcast. Views and opinions expressed by guests on Built to Win do not necessarily reflect the official position of the Foundation for Government Accountability and are not intended to advocate for or against the passage of any legislation or ballot initiative or to support or oppose any candidate for elected office.